can call me CEO of the ROC. Check out the Waddle and Sylvie podcast. It's White Sox Weekly, your all-access pass to everything White Sox. That baby will go! Lance Lynn with an absolute gem. Deep to right! It is gone! It's a no-hitter! Carlos Rodon! What a performance! Now here's your host, Connor McKnight. Welcome in to White Sox Weekly. It is June 25th. It is a somewhat gloomy, rainy Saturday morning here at Guaranteed Rate Field. The White Sox and Orioles will play baseball today. It's a 1-10 first pitch. Lance Lynn gets the start for the White Sox. The Orioles will start Spencer Watkins, or at least he's on the schedule right now. Orioles having to make some moves in their pitching rotation and figuring out who's going to start what game here in this four-game series. 33-36 and 36 are the White Sox after dropping the first two to the Orioles in this four-game set. The White Sox need to bounce back today, tomorrow, the rest of the week, and then into July as they'll play a whole bunch of divisional opponents. The Minnesota Twins, the Cleveland Guardians, and the Detroit Tigers as they look to get right back into or on top of the AL Central. It's out there for them all over the next couple of weeks leading up to the All-Star break in the third week of July. Lots to do on the show this morning. Uh, We've got news for you right off the top. An anticipated uh, starting debut for a White Sox player is on the way this afternoon. Here's what we've got planned uh, for you as well. We're going to hear from Tony La Russa last night as the White Sox were... uh, held to just one run against Baltimore, 4-1. to one. He had some comments about where the team is at and what the team looked like last night that I thought sounded a little bit different than comments he'd made in the past when Knights didn't go the White Sox way, so we'll hear from Tony in just a little bit. Michael Kopech gave his postgame comments after a, you know, the start for Kopech was a good one last night, a quality start, six innings, three runs, four walks, two strikeouts. But it was odd. You know, it was a balk called. There was a hit batter that cleared the benches in the second inning. Uh, so we'll hear from Kopech about last night's start in just a little while as well. As always, this is your show as, as much as it is anything else. 312-332-3776. That's the phone number here on White Sox Weekly. You want to talk a little White Sox with us? Now is your chance this whole morning all the way up until 12.30 when we start the pregame show here on the Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. Also, Rick Hahn, general manager of the White Sox, was on with the flagship morning show, the Cap and Jay Hood show on ESPN 1000. That was just yesterday. Uh, we'll play some of that for you as we go a little bit later on. You know, when the general manager speaks, we got to listen. So we'll hear uh, from Rick Hahn and kind of go through that interview a little bit with Captain Jay Hood later in the morning as well, probably in the 11 o'clock hour uh, before we get too deep into the show. Scott Merkin of MLB.com is going to stop by, hang out with us, and chat White Sox as well. We will probably, we will try to keep him from talking about Michigan basketball and or Michigan football or anything to do with the Mitten State. 
Uh, but that's usually an unsuccessful gambit here on White Sox Weekly. Merck will probably slip in something about the maze in blue, uh, but we'll just move on and talk White Sox with Merck. He's going to drop by just after the White Sox close up the clubhouse and he finishes his reporting duties. Hop on with us here up in the booth at Guaranteed Rate Field. Now, the tarp is on the field. I'm sure if you're in the Chicagoland area, you're getting some of the rain that we're getting here uh, at the ballpark. Not sure exactly how long this looks to last. It's, there's some in the forecast for most of the afternoon, but I feel like we've seen a couple of these storms come through already this summer and push through quickly. We've had a couple of delays this year, nothing like we had last season and definitely nothing like we had in 2017. I remember that was a particularly rain-delayed season, or at least it felt that way to some pre- and post-game hosts across the country. Uh, hopefully this one just pushes right through and we're able to get the White Sox and Orioles started on time this afternoon at 110. Uh, you know, one of the reasons that we'd love to get this one, I mean, a whole bunch of them, but one of the reasons we'd love to get this one started on time is because that would speed the starting debut of one Lenin Sosa. The White Sox prospect was called up to the roster at the start of this Baltimore Orioles series. Thursday, he got in and made his Major League debut, a strikeout and a walk in a couple of innings played in relief of Josh Harrison. Harrison was plunked on the right triceps uh, in the sixth, pardon, fifth inning of last night's game. It was a weird circumstance, too. You know, the pitch was behind Harrison, and he turned his back. You know, you'll see a hitter turn his numbers to try and take one off the meaty, larger portion of his back as opposed to the more vulnerable areas. But because the pitch was so far behind Josh, that extended right triceps, his back arm ended up taking the pitch, and it looked painful. Josh was hopping up and down, yelling and screaming, uh, I think as much out of surprise as it was the actual pain swelling and and welt that has gotten produced, I guess, on his arm. It kept him out of the lineup yesterday and out of the lineup again today. We'll get you the one through nine for the White Sox in just a second here. Anyway, Sosa came in. He struck out against Felix Bautista, but worked a nine-pitch walk in the ninth inning of that game against Baltimore. The Sox put two on, trailing four to nothing, weren't able to plate anything. The White Sox offense has scuffled over the last two games. 18 innings for the White Sox and just one run against the Baltimore Orioles. That was an RBI double by Jake Berger last night in the second inning. A.J. Pollock walked. Gavin Sheet struck out. Jake Berger drove in Pollock with the double into left center field. That was it, and that was all. In fact, the White Sox had 19 in a row set down to end the game last night, starting with a strikeout of, or I guess I should say finishing with a strikeout of Luis Robert in the third, and then all the way to the ninth. The White Sox did not have a base runner against a Baltimore Orioles bullpen game. 312-332-3776, that's the phone number. I imagine you may want to use it as we've got some cool news in the White Sox lineup today. Lenin Sosa is your leadoff man and playing second base. It's his first big league start. Chris Kampka, NBC Sports Chicago, tweeted this out, and I suspected this would be the case. I just thought I'd be doing the research for tomorrow's game for Sosa. Lenin is the first Sosa to lead off for the White Sox since Sammy Sosa in 1991. 
Not sure there were a whole bunch of other Sosas that had that option, uh, but it's been a while since the Sosa's been at the top of the card for the White Sox. Andrew Vaughn will hit two. He's the DH. We'll talk about him a lot today. Luis Robert hitting third in center field. Jose Abreu has first base. He's batting four. A.J. Pollock is in left field. Gavin Sheets is in right. Jake Berger has third base. He's batting seven. Leary Garcia will play shortstop today. Tim Anderson gets the day off. Remember, as Tim works back from the injured list and the groin strain, it sounds like he's going to play, get one game off a series for the next little bit. That may run for another series when the White Sox head out west to face the Angels on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Then the Sox got a day off next Thursday. And you would hope, or at least I would hope, that uh, T.A.'s back to playing full-time after that off day and getting a little rest here and there. Uh, Reese McGuire, by the way, is the catcher and nine-hitter for the White Sox against the Baltimore Orioles. So, you know, I, I wanted to start the show hearing from Tony Russa last night, but with the news of Lenin Sosa getting his first start in the bigs, thought I'd tell you a little bit more about Sosa. We spent a lot of time on the pregame show Thursday talking about the latest addition to the team, obviously with Danny Mendick going down for the season with a torn ACL in an outfield collision with Adam Hazley down the left field line. Uh, it was, it, you know, it was kind of tough to have to, to, to talk to Danny and, and to have to see that happen. He had been, he'd been clicking in, in the 18 games that uh, Tim Anderson missed, and he played shortstop for 17 of those 18. I believe Leury got one start out there at shortstop, and Danny played the rest of them. He hit well. He played defense well. He had one base running mistake that did cost the White Sox a run, uh, but everything else was just terrific. And for a guy that's, you know, just kind of been in his entire big league career up to this point, the 26th, when it was a 25 man roster, or the 27th guy on the roster, now that we're at 26. It was a shot, you know, to, to see Danny miss the rest of the year and, and know the work that he's put in, see the production he's put up. And in a season where the White Sox have had as many injuries as they have had, to get a solid contributor like that, a guy who steps up from the depth and turns into a dude that can do more than, than just float you through three weeks of baseball, he was an impact player for the White Sox in a couple of different areas. Um, you know, I, I think back to the start he had at third base the other night, you know, in relief of, of Yoan Moncada and Jake Berger, he made a play coming in on a ball that was a, a really difficult play. Threw over to first, got the out. There were a couple runners on in that game for the uh, Blue Jays, if memory serves. And, and you know, Danny's able to haul you out of that situation with a good defensive play. So with him out and Lenin Sosa up, the uh, the makeup, well, not the makeup, but the uh, the construction of the roster changes just a little bit. Lenin, obviously, is a guy that's been promoted pretty, promoted pretty aggressively by the White Sox. And that's not just the promotion from AA to the majors here over the last couple of days, although that certainly is aggressive. Here's the, uh, we like MLB Pipeline quite a bit. Jim Callis is a, uh, well, we like to call him a friend of the show. I guess we still have a couple of things to send his way to make sure that he's uh, completely locked in as friend of White Sox Weekly. But I, uh, myself and Eric Ostrowski, our executive producer, working very hard to make sure Jim is uh, an, 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 an official friend of the show. Maybe there's a t-shirt we can send Jim, something like that. You know, White Sox Weekly friend, something, uh, that'll probably help. Anyway, I, I really like the write-ups that they do at MLB Pipeline. There is an extensive amount of scouting and ranking and thought that goes into assessing minor league ball players. Here's just a little bit of the Lenin Sosa write-up. Now, remember, these are beginning-of-the-year write-ups, and I'll, I'll tell you about what Lenin has done at AA Birmingham 
uh, after this write-up came out. Uh, but he kind of assesses, uh, they, everybody over there at MLB Pipeline, kind of assess the talent for Sosa like this. A right-handed hitter, Sosa owns some of the best hand-eye coordination and bat-to-ball skills in the White Sox system, but needs to make better decisions to reach his offensive potential. He rarely walks and gets himself out too often by making weak contact. He has enough bat speed and projectable strength to deliver 15 or more homers per season if he can adopt a more selective approach. Sosa has good actions, reliable hands, and a solid arm strength at shortstop, but below average speed leads to a little subpar range. He field, he fits better at second or third base, though those positions will demand more offense. He may be more of a bat-first utility man than an everyday player. That's the write-up on MLB Pipeline. Those questions, you know, the little the, the doubts in there and whether or not he can produce a more selective approach and in order to access the in-game power, it looks like in the start to his double-A season, Sosa did exactly that. In 62 games down at double-A Birmingham, Sosa hit 14 home runs with a 331 average, a 384 on-base percentage, and a 549 slugging percentage. What about the strikeouts? 40 strikeouts, 21 walks. That's a pretty good ratio when you consider that Sosa just turned 22 in January of this year. He is the first White Sox player uh, to play you know, for the team and have been born in the decade of the 2000s. Sosa was born January 25, 2000, which makes me feel ancient and hopefully keeps you level-headed. Uh, but that is, that's quite a thing for Lenny and Sosa. Uh, what we said, oh, yeah, the, the strikeout-to-walk ratio. Yeah, considering where he's at and the age difference, you know, I, I like to, for prospects especially, take a look at, okay, the level you're playing at, and then where is your development curve given the rest of the league that you're playing in? And Baseball Reference, which is a fantastic site, I'm, if you're listening to White Sox Weekly, chances are you've been on Baseball Reference a time or two. Um, you can look through, and what it says when you click on their minor league stats is a column called age difference. And what that tells you is, pretty obviously, the difference of the player's age to that of the age of everybody else in the league. And they weight that given how many uh, plate appearances are done by guys making major league rehab starts and all that kind of stuff, or minor league rehab stints and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, is about two and a half years younger than everybody else at AA in 2022. I like that performance given the age discrepancy. It really kind of shows you that things have truly clicked in for Lenin Sosa this year. So calling him up, A, to fill the roster need with Mendick going down with the ACL, uh, a guy that can play. He, you know, he's talked about it too. Sosa has. He's probably most comfortable at short. That's where he's played the most games. Um, overall, Lenin Sosa has played, I think it's something like 35 games at shortstop, a handful, maybe a dozen at third base, and a couple over at second. So the comfort level for Sosa is definitely over at short, but you know, obviously the White Sox have this Tim Anderson fellow who plays a, an exceptional shortstop. Second in all-star voting right now in the American League is, is Tim Anderson. Uh, throw your votes down there at MLB.com and get him over the Bo Bichette mark to make him the starting all-star, uh, starting shortstop at the all-star game July 19th at Dodger Stadium. Uh, so Sosa's going to play second base today. And we'll see what he's got out of the leadoff spot. The Baltimore Orioles are going to start Spencer Watkins. Figure they go to a couple of other players as well. Tell you more about Watkins and the matchup the White Sox can expect today. Uh, But it is a cool little, um, 
addition to the White Sox lineup as they look for runs, as they look for base runners against this Orioles pitching staff that, you know, has has performed well and the White Sox bats have been quiet over 18 innings, producing just one run and 10 hits in these first two games. Speaking of that quietude in the White Sox offense over the last two nights, Tony La Russa addressed a little bit of that in his postgame comments last night. We're going to bring those to you when we come back. We played some of them in the postgame show last night, and I was, you know, when Tony talks, we kind of get it in the halfway through the postgame show, something like that, and I kind of thought, boy, that is, that's a, a bit of a different Tony than I've heard um, over the last uh, year and a half or so. So we want to bring that to you here on White Sox Weekly today. You can join us at Guaranteed Rate Field on Monday, July 4, by the way. The White Sox will take on the Minnesota Twins at 7, 10 p.m. You should get to the ballpark early because the first 12,000 fans will receive a special Paul Canerico bobblehead inspired by Captain America. And don't forget to stay afterward. we got the post-game fireworks show. We had one last night. It was a blast. It's always fun. Uh, to purchase tickets, visit WhiteSox.com slash promos. You're listening to White Sox Weekly. When we come back, we'll hear from White Sox manager Tony La Russa. His postgame comments last night were quite interesting. I think you want to hear them. 312-332-3776. That's the phone number. You want to chime in. It's White Sox Weekly on the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. White Sox Weekly here on the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. I'm Connor McKnight. You can join us for Family Sundays at Guaranteed Rate Field with tickets starting at 10 bucks and parking for only $15. Bring your family out to the ballpark for a day full of fun. Family Sundays are proudly presented by Coca-Cola. Visit WhiteSox.com slash Sundays to purchase your tickets today. That's WhiteSox.com slash Sundays. White Sox fell to the Orioles last night and the night before. For that matter, they were shut out for only the second time all season. That was Thursday against Baltimore, four to nothing here at Guaranteed Rate Field. Last night, four to one. The Orioles have won two in a row. The White Sox have lost three in a row. They are thirty-three and thirty-six. It is, uh, quite frankly, it's an unfortunate start to this. It's a disappointing start to this series against Baltimore. I think everybody would tell you that. Um, whether that's uh, Tony La Russa or, or anybody in uniform for the White Sox, I should say on field and in uniform for the White Sox. The expectation was after taking two of three against the Toronto Blue Jays and, you know, kind of, I, I think, exercising some demons after a sweep by Toronto in Toronto earlier in the month um, that the White Sox could just keep rolling against an Orioles team that was well under 500, 31 and 39 when they came to town. Uh, and, and quite frankly, a team that is rebuilding has some interesting and, and, and somewhat dangerous players. I mean, Cedric Mullins is a darn good ball, baseball player out in center field. Uh, Trey Mancini is a ton of fun. Austin Hayes is playing incredibly well right now. Adley Rutschman, the star rookie catcher for Baltimore, seems to be really getting it going behind the plate and at the dish for Baltimore. Um, but this is a team that the White Sox, that, that a lot of teams have taken advantage of so far this season. Uh, Baltimore is playing a lot better coming into this series than they had earlier on in the year, of course, but this is a team the White Sox need to beat. They have been unable to do so in the first two games. The offense has been especially quiet after really opening it up here uh, to start the month of June, and Tony La Russa, in his postgame comments last night, talked a bit about the, um, 
Well, the state of the team, the state of the offense right now after 18 innings and just one run against Baltimore. I guess without further ado, here is White Sox manager last night after last night's loss, Tony LaRussa. We've had some good games offensively this week against, you know, some frontline guys. How do you explain, without taking anything away from the Baltimore guys, how do you explain what, what, what happens tonight with your guys' offense? Well, I mean, today we just, we went after the, what, the fifth inning, we didn't get a base run, did we? I mean, that's, we're better than that. And we'll just figure out why that's true. I got some ideas, but they're not for me to share. It's not acceptable, but. Approach-wise or execution? or Just we didn't get it done. You know, we got out, we just they shut us down. Some of, it, some of it is there, was their pitching. But we're on the other side of it, so. Overall, how would you assess the energy level of your team tonight? Well, when you go up to bat and you come back, the energy level is down, right? Nothing less entertaining for fans to see you guys go one, two, three, and out. It always looks bad. You know, we had some balls hard, we had some, but... You know, in this league, you don't you either do or you don't. And when you don't, whether you're the players or the managers, you, you just take take the heat. The fans didn't come out to to watch us get beat that easily. So I take the heat for them not getting ready to play. I don't know what's left to say. That's White Sox manager Tony Larusa. You know, obviously, you you do have to take the heat when um, when things don't go the way you expect them to go and the way. You know, the way outside forces would look at it, the way inside uh, the inside team would look at it. This is or the way folks inside the team would look at it. These are two games that the White Sox needed to win. And, you know, I, I don't think you should characterize, I don't think we should characterize them both as the same game, though it would be easy to, given the fact that you're playing the Orioles twice and it feels uh, like you, the, the White Sox ought to have won, right? I mean, you got series like that a lot where you know, the, you'll, you'll come in there hot or whatever, you get cooled off by a team that's under 500. That happens in baseball, of course. But given the context, and I think context is everything, especially in baseball, context-wise, with the White Sox you know, just kind of being around 500 all year, given the injuries, given the underperformance, given the offense being cold for the first month of the year, it's just, you know, this is, okay, here we go, boys, turn it on and let's get ready to ride. And, you know, it just it hadn't worked out that way in these first two against Baltimore. Now, like I said, I don't think this, the issue is the same thing in both games. In that first one against Baltimore, the White Sox hit a bunch of balls real hard and weren't rewarded for them. Part of that has to do with uh, a little bit of poor batted ball luck. Part of that has to do with a good approach by Baltimore Orioles pitching. Dean Kramer was was pretty decent last night. Part of it has to do with a, a White Sox offense that has not walked enough to start the year. They have not taken their free passes the way they did last season, being fourth in baseball in overall walk rate. That will help an offense. But also... <laughs> Cedric Mullins and Anthony Santander and Austin Hayes made some amazing catches in that first game of the series against Baltimore. And that, you know, as, as much as anything else that I just mentioned, all those things kind of mixed together makes kind of a for a sour recipe in that first game against Baltimore. Last night, though, it was it was just a, a quiet night against a bullpen game for the Baltimore Orioles, and, and that's not a game that you want to let go the uh, the other way. That's a game you absolutely need to put a handful on early, and the White Sox were unable to do so. Um, and I think that's got Tony frustrated, obviously. You know, we heard his comments afterward. He says he's got some ideas as to what those are or, or how to move things around a little bit. 
Uh, he refrained from sharing those. Those are inside the White Sox clubhouse kind of ideas. Um, but perhaps some of it is putting Lenin Sosa at the top of the lineup. I don't think it's a – it's not a vindictive thing. It's a change things around. Tony had been looking to get a start for Lenin in this series. It sounded like today is the day with Tim Anderson out. As I mentioned, to start the show, it sounded like Tim was going to have a day off uh, in each of these first three series at least as he recovers from that or, or comes back from the injured list, recovered from that groin injury. So um, this, is, uh, this is a spot where maybe you turn things just a little bit. Maybe you let guys know uh, that this, is, uh, th- this matters just as much as everything else. The unfortunate part, too, about these first two losses to Baltimore is that the White Sox had a chance to leap over 500 themselves against an under 500 squad. And after losing the first two, the White Sox can only come to within one game of 500 if they win the last two, while it would secure a winning homestand at four and three. You know, you look at taking the first two of three against the Toronto Blue Jays, and you thought, well, this homestand could be a real good one for the White Sox. And now, um, just kind of like the rest of the season, it's a, it's a fight. And the White Sox have been equal to a lot of challenges this year, uh, but they have uh, been quiet with the bats uh, a few more to, a few more many times than they've wanted to. 312-332-3776. That's the phone number. We'll get some phone calls on the other side. We'll hear an interview with Rick Hahn and Cap and Jay Hood, our morning show here on the flagship station in a little bit. I'm Connor McKnight. A lot to do here on White Sox Weekly. It's the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly here on the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. We're leading you up to the pregame show, 1230 for that. White Sox and Orioles coming your way this afternoon. Tarps on the field. Rain has uh, eased off here a little bit at the ballpark. Hopefully that continues and this system pushes out. We've got a little rain here in the Chicagoland area. Be nice to get that out of the way. Lenin Sosa is the leadoff man for the White Sox today. Tim Anderson has the day off. So Sosa is going to play second base and start things for the White Sox. It'll be his first big league start. So that, among many other reasons, uh, not the least of which is getting the last two games just uh, washed away would be a good thing for the White Sox now at 33 and 36. Sox did get some good news last night in terms of where this division is at. Obviously, that's where your sights are kind of in three places, I think, you know, from my perspective, or at least how I watch baseball games and baseball teams and stuff. Get to 500, that's goal number one, right? And the White Sox um, can't do that this weekend, um, but can get to within one of the 500 mark before they head out to L.A. to face the Angels uh, in a Monday night game. It's a West Coast baseball, so we've got to 8.30 starts Monday and Tuesday and, and Wednesday night. Well, stay up late with us, will you? Then... It's how many games back are you in this division? And, and for the White Sox and with the AL Central right now, um, it, it's kind of both at the same time because neither the Guardians nor the Twins are really running away with anything. Yeah, the Guardians are playing better baseball lately. They've won seven of their last ten. The Twins are four and six in their last ten. The Twins, by the way, have scored one run in their last 19 innings. They're playing the Rockies. They lost one to nothing last night. The Guardians lost to the Boston Red Sox 6-3 last night. So that division lead for both of those teams tied atop the uh, AL Central is still at four and a half games over the White Sox. The Tigers and Royals are really struggling this year, well under 500, winning percentages under 400 uh, for both of those squads. 312-332-3776, that's the phone number. 
I want to hear from Michael Kopak in a little bit. We'll hear from Rick Hahn. He was on with Cap and Jay Hood on our ESPN 1000 flagship station. We'll hear from uh, Rick in just a little while, but uh, out to the phones we go. In Plainfield, it's Dave. Dave, you're up on White Sox Weekly. What's up, my man? Hey, Connor. Thanks for having me. You got it. Thank you, too. A great job uh, keeping us Sox fans informed. You don't sugarcoat anything, but you're not overly negative either, so we appreciate you. I think the Sox lack uh, heart. Um, In what way? What does that mean to you, Dave? You strike out with the bases loaded and no outs. Slam that bat down. Do something. You look. They look like apathetic at times. Um, I've seen I, I Kopech and Lynn have heart, T.A., but I just see a lot of uh, the only thing we lead the league in is chains and reggaeton albums. Like it's just I, I'm not. I watch other players around the league, and they foaming at the mouth if they get if they failed, and now their next time up they are going to succeed. I don't see that extra push from the well, White Dave, Sox. So here's what I'd counter that with. I don't know that slamming a bat or chucking a baseball or yelling and screaming necessarily makes a good ball player. Does Andrew Vaughn do any of those things? Yeah. Not every time. Not, I, you know, not any time, night, really. And, Andrew turned to the ump last night and said, I didn't like that call. And normally he's very, very... Oh, yeah, but uh, Dave, talking to an umpire about a strike call is a lot different than uh, yelling and screaming and chucking bats and, and breaking bullpen phones and stuff, right? I mean, talking to an umpire about a strike call, that's that's just... That's the everyday. That's like putting on a glove. That's just a thing ball players do, right? I'm not saying every time. Of course not. My one of my the player I respect most in the league is uh, Devers on the Red Sox. If he messes up, you see that emotion. You see that um, that drive. And uh, I don't know if it's a culture thing in our clubhouse or. And I get your point too. It's not everything. I, I want to see a little bit of it though. You know, like. Uh, Something's got to change. This isn't sure. working. Dave, I appreciate you, my man. I appreciate the phone call. I, I, I'll tell you a story about uh, a different ball player that I was interviewing a couple of years ago. I, I think, you know, folks know I was at a couple of different shops at a couple of different stops along the way uh, here working for the White Sox radio network. I was, uh, I was at a different place and interviewing uh, Cubs outfielder Ian Happ at the time. And the reason I bring it up is because I think the conversation I had with Ian in the moment informs a little bit of what Dave is talking about in terms of, um, you know, emotion and, and fire and, and uh, that kind of thing from ballplayers, at least on the field. And, uh, you know, Ian was kind of mentioning it this way. He said, I can't play too high or too low. You know, he was, he was talking about being that kind of high-strung, high-intensity, super-focused, you know, life-or-death, every-pitch kind of guy. And he says, I do that. And he was actually referencing Javi Baez at the time. If I play the way Baez does, if I get myself, you know, too amped up or too fired up, I lose it. I, I lose the ability to make sure that I am equally focused for every pitch. I cannot play that way because emotionally for me, that throws off my day-to-day. That throws off my ability to be the best player I can be, to be the best teammate I can be. That's what Ian was really kind of harping on there is because he, he was kind of, and I, and I respect his, his self-awareness here. I'm, I'm kind of the same way. 
if you let that emotion go, you start being, or at least I, and I'll, I guess I'll start talking to the first person now. I let that emotion go. I start, I stop being the nicest guy to work with. You know, I can't, you know, I, I like Eric Ostrowski and Charlie very much back at the studio. If I started throwing that emotion into my everyday, I don't think they'd like me very much. And I think when you, when we talk about baseball being the everyday sport, it's the beautiful thing. And it is the crazy thing about baseball. Um, next day's coming for you no matter what, whether you had a good one or whether you had a bad one. We'll keep talking about this in, in just a second here. We've got to uh, take care of one thing real quick. We'll pause it here. Ten seconds on White Sox Weekly for Station ID. So, welcome back to White Sox Weekly here on the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. I'm Connor McKnight. We were just talking with Dave who called in from Plainfield. And his, his observation of the White Sox was that it lacks, the team lacks a certain, I don't know, heart was his word for it. And I asked Dave, how do you identify heart? How do you, how do you, what do you see when you, oh, that guy's got heart? And I just, you know, over the course of 162 games, measuring each ball player, you know, and asking them for the same kind of emotion, asking them for the same kind of outward display of frustration when things go wrong. Honestly, that's a little insane to me. Each guy isn't shaped, brought up or 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 raised in this game the same way. For instance, you wouldn't you wouldn't expect Andrew Vaughn, a guy who is of few words and a calm customer and a guy whose measured approach has netted a really high return for the White Sox this year. You wouldn't ask him to start slamming bats after he starts striking out. In fact, I think instead of the, the narrative, the conversation going that way, I think if you started to see Andrew Vaughn slam a bat after he grounded out or snap one over his knee or something, you're, oh, that's too much. Something must be wrong. Oh, no. You know, I, I, think, I think we're really quick to want the things, especially in baseball, that um, lets us know as fans of a team that this player, this organization, this, you know, whatever, that they also feel as aggravated as we do. I promise you, and this is you know part of the reason we do White Sox Weekly here, um, we're lucky enough to be in clubhouses, talk to guys, see what it feels like. This is very few baseball players, and I'm talking about the White Sox and every organization I've covered, every guy I've spoken to who has been in every other clubhouse. You know, There are very few guys that are unbothered by failure. You, know, you have to have a certain amount of, don't worry, there's a lot of these... Hitting 300, you're still failing 7 out of 10 times. Yes, that exists in this game. But because baseball, because this action, because um, spark only happens when a team is hitting, when it's not, it's very easy to assume that there's nothing there and that, and that there's uh, nothing happening within that clubhouse. I think that's a jump that we are very quick to make as a baseball-watching fan base, right? I, I think that's part of the reason why, in a larger sense, the league itself, Rob Manfred, the commissioner, is talking about wanting more action in the game. They want more excitement, and they're prepared to change the rules, and sometimes even the baseball, to have more action in this game so that we, as fans, feel less like our team just isn't there and more like there's a whole lot of action in there. And I'm going to a lot of different places here and connecting a handful of different things. But I, 
I don't think that the issues kind of afflicting the White Sox right now are some sort of ennui, you know, right? some sort of, uh, it's malaise or, or what have you. I, I think what's affecting them right now is an aggressive approach at the plate that hasn't led to a whole lot of walks this season. That's not put pressure, enough pressure perhaps, on opposing pitchers over the first 69, going to be 70 games so far tonight, uh, this afternoon I should say. I, I think that is kind of the larger issue here, and that's a tough thing to fix. Otherwise, you know, it would have been fixed a lot earlier. You know, if, if you had, it's like I was talking about with Waddle and Sylvie earlier this week. Sylvie asked, you know, why are there so many injuries on this team? Why does baseball have so many injuries? And I, I think my answer to him was, that's just not my degree. I didn't go to school for that. I don't know how a hamstring works, much less know exactly where one. I know it's back here, and it hurts pretty much every time I wake up, but that's that's about all I've got for you on hamstrings. And and if there were fixes to this, if guys had the answers and degrees to fix these things, you know, with a snap of the fingers, they would be employed by big league ball clubs and we wouldn't see these things in baseball. Instead, these are the things we see in baseball, not just over the last couple seasons, but from the dawn of the sport. I mean, this is the, this is part of the game. And the hope is that the White Sox have assembled enough talent to hang in there until they're a little bit more healthy, and if they're not, have the talent to just go ahead and overtake, uh, play better, and and be, or rather grab the results that they haven't gotten over the first 70 games of the year. 312-332-3776. That's the phone number. We come back. We got more White Sox Weekly for you. I want to hear from Michael Kopech. I um, you know, watched his start last night, thought it was kind of a, a quirky one, uh, not for anything Michael did necessarily, but kind of the things that the Orioles were doing against him, what with the hit by pitch and the benches clearing and all the steals. It's kind of a weird start last night. I want to hear what Michael Kopech thought about it. Oh, and then there was that balk call, which was pretty strange. Len was right on it. So if you were listening to the White Sox radio network, you knew what was going on, but it's still a call you don't see often. We'll hear what Michael had to say about it when we come back. 312-332-3776. That's the number. It's White Sox Weekly on the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. Welcome back. It's White Sox Weekly here on the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. I'm Connor McKnight. Leading you up to the pregame show, that's a 12 30 start for the pregame show for the White Sox and Orioles. 110 first pitch. The rain continues to lessen here at the ballpark. I believe abate is what the Weather Channel folk use. The rain is abating. Uh, but that's kind of it's a tough word to say, right? And it's just it's difficult, so why do it? Rain's going away, so hopefully that uh, continues and we're able to pull the tarp off the field here and get us going. Uh, for our 110 start, Lance Lynn gets the ball for the White Sox today. Spencer Watkins scheduled to start for the Orioles. Lenin Sosa gets his first major league start. He is at second base and at the top of the lineup for the White Sox today. Tim Anderson has the day off, as is the uh, the word from the doctors, the uh, what exactly what they're looking to to get him done, or, or rather just kind of have him do uh, as he works back from the groin injury, back from the injured list. We saw last year um, how protective the White Sox needed to be of Tim Anderson just because of how much he means to this team and how much he needs his legs. Obviously, the White Sox are going through a lot of injuries right now to legs and hamstrings and uh, have all that kind of soreness affecting guys. Andrew Vaughn's one of those guys who apparently is dealing with some um, dealing with some tired legs, I guess, is kind of how Tony LaRusso put it a couple of days ago. We'll talk about Vaughn, what he's been able to do, tired legs or no, in a little bit here. 
on the show. Uh, you should get to the ballpark Thursday, July 7th for African-American Heritage Night. It's presented by Rush. Celebrate with friends and family as the White Sox take on the Tigers. That's a 7-10 p.m. start on July 7th. The first 10,000 fans will receive a free Chicago American Giants t-shirt presented by Langston Alston and presented by Rush. To purchase tickets, visit whitesox.com slash summer series. That's whitesox.com slash summer series. Michael Kopech had the start last night. It was a quality start for him. Six innings, three runs, all of them earned four walks, two strikeouts. It was kind of a goofy start last night. Cedric Mullins led off the game with a bunt single, stole second base, came around to third on a ground out, and scored on a wild pitch. So, you know, right off the top, there's one on the board for Baltimore and no hard contact to show for it. In the second, Kopech got the first two out, hit Jorge Mateo, Benches cleared. There was a whole thing out there at first base, kind of an odd one. We'll talk more about it after we've heard from Michael here in a second. Um, but Mateo stole second base, came around to score on an RBI single from Richie Martin. Martin took second base and third base. The Orioles just kept running because they seemed angry. Kopech got out of it, allowing just the one run, uh, and then allowed another run in the fourth. It was a Balk call that ended up scoring Adley Rutschman. Rutschman doubled with one away in the fourth. Part of what I'd seen from Rutschman is when he pulls the ball, when he's got a pitch to absolutely yank, he's he's quite good at getting the barrel to it. That's why he was the top prospect in baseball. I'm sure he's got a whole bunch of other skill sets at the plate, especially he's been really good behind the plate. Uh, but Rutschman pulls a double into the right field corner, batting left against the righty Kopech. Comes into third on a ground out by Tyler Nevin, and then a balk call scored that run from third with one away and just Rutschman out there at third base. Now, during the broadcast, Len Casper immediately noted, well, if not immediately, then pretty darn quick, saw that Kopech had declared he was going to use uh, not his modified windup, right? He's got a drop step. He comes set at the belt, then has a drop step and goes into a wind. With a runner on, he declared he was going to do that as opposed to pitching out of the stretch. He went back to the stretch with the runner at third, and because he hadn't declared that back to the umpiring crew, they called him for a balk. Quite honestly, the balk rules on this are very confusing. And and you know, DJ's point was he shouldn't have to declare he's going back into the stretch. That's what the stretch is for. You need to let him know you're working out of the windup because that's what the windup is for. It seemed odd. It was a weird half inning, and Kopech, you know, to his credit, worked around it and really settled down in the fifth and sixth, recording one, two, three innings in each one of those frames uh, and getting four strikeouts on the night, or two strikeouts on the night, both of those coming in that fifth inning. It took a while for him to get the punch-out stuff. Kopech was asked last night after the start how he felt his stuff was to begin the game and then kind of, you know, detailed the rest of the evening's ongoing uh, happenings. Definitely didn't have my best stuff or feel for um, I threw with what I had, and uh, unfortunately, that's all I had tonight. Um, I, I got to do a better job in big situations. The box unacceptable. Um, and then, you know, two out walks and have up pitches. Those guys can't come around either, so I just didn't execute when I should have um, and made it tough for us to keep him at bay so it was a decent start considering what I had overall but I I don't think that was uh, good enough to say the least did the umpire's explanation of the box make sense yeah yeah yeah. I uh, 
again, I just, you know, I kind of let the moment get away from me and didn't realize I'd been wind up the whole time. I, I told them afterwards, I thought I went wind up and went back to stretch, but I started wind up and then tried to switch to stretch. And this is the right call. Um, I wasn't, you know, asked about it beforehand. With, you know, usually when they just run around there, they ask um, which one I'm going to do. They didn't ask, but uh, still, I, I got to lock that in, do the right thing there. Just messed up. What, uh, I mean, what happened in the second? Do you understand kind of what happened in the second? I mean, it seemed kind of uh... With, when you, when you hit yeah. um, I mean, they they took offense to it, I guess. But you know, one-two pitch. I'm trying to rear back and do a little bit more. Flew open, ball got away from me. Um, definitely not trying to hit a guy with two strikes and two outs, uh, especially a guy that's not doing too much to the plate. So, um, I don't know. Situation kind of escalated, but then uh, we settled back in. So. Yeah, some some guys hopped the rail on me and started talking, and that's why things escalated. But we were able to get back out there. That's Michael Kopech talking about some guys hopping the rail on him. I believe I don't know this specifically, but I saw it happen last night. Saw a couple of Baltimore Orioles hop up to the top step, and as as Michael said, hop the rail. Rugnet Odor was uh, seemed to be one of them. Not sure he's in the lineup. I haven't seen a Baltimore Orioles lineup for today's game yet. We do know Spencer Watkins is scheduled to start. Oh, it just came out. Look at that. Uh, Rugnet Odor is not playing. He's dealing with some back issues too, so I'm not sure he's uh, available to Baltimore. But he's, you know, been an instigator in the past. He's a guy who will uh, who will chirp a little bit. He's been in some on-field dust-ups as well. We don't have to really have those here. Either way, um, you know, with, with Kopech last night, I, I'm kind of, you know, he, he stepped up to uh, losing focus or, or not declaring his his windup, his his stretch intentions there that cost the buck. You know, obviously the White Sox just scoring one run needed more offensively, and and that one mistake did not necessarily cost the game, but it might have thrown Kopech off just a little bit. He did a good job rebounding in that fifth and sixth inning. As to the stuff that he talked about at the beginning of that cut we just played you, you know, he kind of said he pitched with what he had, and, and some of that, I would imagine, is getting used to that new feeling in his knee. You know, he had that um, cyst issue or whatever that was in that start against the Rangers pop on him, and he was able to come back and make the start a week later. Uh, but there is a sense of, you know, I believe what I've heard is, is kind of a new normal for that knee something akin to what Lance Lynn was talking about after he had the off-season surgery or spring training surgery I could say I should say rather um so it's a search for that I think from Kopech all in all though uh what he's been able to do since um has been good not great but definitely good and he's given the White Sox a, a chance to win a quality start last night six innings and three runs will do that hopefully the White Sox bats are able to uh, to answer and support uh, a similar effort if they get it from Lance Lynn today, and I certainly think that will be his goal. White Sox general manager Rick Hahn was on the station yesterday. He joined Cap and Jay Hood, our morning show on the flagship ESPN 1000. Thought it was an interesting conversation. Wanted to bring it to you here on White Sox Weekly. You'll hear that when we come back. It's the Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. <laughs> Sox fans, kick off your July 4th weekend with tickets starting at $7.04 for games on Monday, July 4th through Thursday, July 7th. The offer includes a Captain Canerco bobblehead giveaway and post-game fireworks on the 4th. 
a free summer T-shirt on Thursday, and more. You don't want to miss this deal. To purchase tickets, visit whitesox.com slash flash sale. That's whitesox.com slash flash sale. 312-332-3776. That's the number. White Sox Weekly is here for you, White Sox fans. Jerry's on 355. Hopefully the traffic's not too bad. Jerry, you're on the show. What's up, my man? Hey, uh, thanks for taking my call. First of all, you know, I was at the game last night, and the approach at in the batter's box just seems to be ridiculous. In what uh, way? I don't, it just in the fact that, uh, I, you know, they go up there. I said there's a lot of flyouts. Uh, we're not waiting for walks. I think we got to be one of the worst teams in baseball to look for walks. It's uh, it's kind of ridiculous. Then you look at the pitching aspect. This Cats guy used to be a high school coach. Uh, I think TLR is basically in the Hall of Fame due to Dave Duncan, you know, and all his pitching uh, knowledge. Uh, they're approaching the field. I mean, guys are colliding into each other. I just don't think this is a fundamentally sound team. I don't think you know, the, the Orioles look so much sharper than them. And the White Sox just don't got they just don't have it together as a team. It, it, it was depressing seeing one hit from a major league baseball team when they're going up there and they're swinging out of their socks and I mean who who is Larry Garcia that he's playing every single day? Every day. He's well, in, in the field in the field he makes a couple of mental errors and you know, leaves runners on base. Uh, McGuire makes a great throw down to second base, and he drops the ball. And that was Tim, it's, actually. It's, it's, it's very frustrating. Well, I appreciate the phone call. Yeah, I mean, this has been a frustrating start to the season. I think everybody from top to bottom would tell you that. I think you're going to hear some of that from Rick Hahn in just a little bit here. Um, you know, there's answers to some of your questions. Larry's playing as much as he is because there's been a lot of injuries in other places. Rick Hahn has said a number of times, and I – you know, until they've got the the team to push Leury to a, I mean, the the roster, the guys healthy, the available bodies, to push Leury to a, a utility role, the one that Rickon has said he's best in, uh, not Rick himself, but that Leury is best in, I'll believe him. Um, but Leury's had to play a lot because there's been a lot of injuries in other places, and Josh Harrison struggled to start the year. Um, that's pretty evident. As to their approach. You know, this is a team that, yeah, should be walking more, and that's absolutely something that we've been pointing to since the very start of the season, or at least after the first six games. Um, But it's also a team that scored something like uh, 7.2 runs per game over the last seven or eight heading into this series against Baltimore. I mean, it's just like somebody took the hose and... And, and and grabbed it and put the kink in it, right? I mean, like you do in summer when you're walking around for, for squirt gun fights and stuff. You know, you got to cut off the water supply to the opposing team, and that's, you know, you got to, that's, we're too, too deep in the weeds there. But that's what I used to do in the neighborhood. You get you got to find the host. Anyway, um, I, I think this is, you know, while, while the struggles that you documented there, Dave, are, are fair, and yeah, it is a team that's given up an extra 90 feet, probably more often than they've taken it so far this year. You'll hear, hear Rick Hahn talk about something similar coming up here in just a bit. Um, this is a lineup that had produced not like, you know, two nights ago with six runs and nine runs and eight runs against the Blue Jays. Uh, they shut out the Astros seven to nothing. Yeah, they, they got beat thirteen to three. They're the Astros, and they can do that. 
but they played a close game after that and you know, put a whole bunch of runs on the Tigers, a team you're supposed to beat. I, I think what drives the frustration, at least from my perspective here in this particular series so far, is that this is a team, these Baltimore Orioles, they've played well. you got to hand it to them. But this is a team you are supposed to beat. And in this game, you've got to take as many of those as you possibly can. There's enough good teams where you're going to have to fight you know, tooth and nail uh, for your wins. And, and that's kind of been the case this season. Uh, earlier yesterday on the Cap and Jay Hood show, it's our morning show on the flagship ESPN 1000, Rick Hahn, general manager of the White Sox, was their guest. The three of them had a good conversation about what's going on with this White Sox team and some of the issues uh, that they are looking to play better than, I, I think is probably a good way to put it. So here is that conversation with David Kaplan, Jonathan Hood, and White Sox general manager Rick Hahn. Rick, good morning. How are you? As you, you look at that your caller ID on your phone, and when you see it's your trainer, you got to just be like breaking out in hives, right? <laughs> You know, I, I, I hate to say that because James Crook is, is outstanding at what he does and such a good human being. But, yeah, if I see his name on caller ID, I get him breaking the hives a little bit. I hate to say it, but it's true. Rick, how, how difficult is it for you to assess what works and what doesn't on this roster with so many injuries? How does that does that slow your pro, your kind of process for additions for the future? Well, it slows it from the standpoint of, quite candidly we don't exactly know what we are or what we're capable of being if we don't have all our guys out there as as a unit uh, i saw some statistic earlier in the in the spring where it showed our record i think going back to 2020 when we've had you know the projected top 6 in our order all out there at the same time and with that unit I think we have something like a 650 or 675 winning percentage. It's outstanding. It's what we envisioned when we put this roster together. Unfortunately, for a variety of reasons, we haven't had nearly enough games with that top six altogether. So in the back of your head, you have this idea of what this is, could look like and what it's supposed to look like. But then, you know, we all get slapped in the face by cold realities, and, and you need to assess what is truly possible given uh, the health and the depth of the current roster. It doesn't change our expectations for the year dramatically, even though the personnel may be rotating a little bit more frequently than any of us want. But it does sort of impact what do you project this team to look like come August 2nd when you're on the other side of the trade deadline and, and how viable is that unit for winning a championship. So as you look at your team, like most teams don't enter the season with the hopes, dreams, and realistic aspirations of contending to win the World Series like your White Sox. And then, holy smokes, I don't know if you've had your projected eight guys play one game together because it's whether it's Aloy or it's Robert's got this or this guy's got the, or Tim's got that. It's crazy. So does that almost force your hand because Tony's looking down going, I don't have Hendricks. Oh, Kelly only has seven career saves. I really don't want to use him in that role. Oh, I can't get to this guy. Oh, bummer's on the injury. Does it force your hand to have to make deals maybe sooner than you want to? Well, it's funny, Cap. You, you've known us for a long time. You know we wanted to do deals any chance we have to make the team better. So even if we had had a full roster and, and we're clicking on all cylinders, the idea of adding someone who could make us better as early as mid-June you know, has appeal. I mean, that goes back to... 
shoot all the way back to oh four when we traded for Freddie Garcia and you know I think it was late June or right around now when we did it so we're always looking for ways to get better and the last thing you want to do regardless of your situation is feel forced into having to do something so last year we were fortunate in that we had an inordinate amount of injuries and we were able to plug from within and plug on the fly and we were able to assemble a group uh, that we were able to patch together that obviously was was able to comfortably win the division. This year, it's it's been a little bit more of a challenge, but we still believe in you know the opportunities that some of our young guys are getting and, and their ability to step up and, and fill the void here until some of the reinforcements, or excuse me, until some of our regulars are back. Ricky, the thing that, that concerns me as a White Sox fan always is just the fundamentals of little things, because the little things can help you win. Base running, outfield, communication, things like that. Fundamentally, what is your level of satisfaction on the little things that the Sox don't achieve? No, we're not happy with that at all. I mean, that drives Tony and the coaching staff you know, crazy. Uh, it's one of the major priorities from the start of, well, really their off-season planning, much less the start of spring training. So when you see fundamental errors, you see things that you know we preach throughout our, our minor league system uh, not being executed at the big league level, it, it can be very frustrating because you're right, especially when you're not necessarily at full strength, your margin of error is a lot smaller. So not being able to perhaps get a guy over or miss a cutoff man on a throw from the outfield that gives up an extra base, those are the little things that can cost you ball games. And you know I do feel... We've been able to tighten some things up versus where we were at the start of the year, but I think Tony would probably be the first to tell you that uh, we can do better in that area, and they continue to, to preach it. Yeah, I'm looking at your payroll, and again, you've got the exact numbers because you write the checks, but I believe your 40-man competitive balance tax payroll this year is seventh in baseball, 211 million dollars and i think that's the most the white Sox have ever spent do you feel and white Sox fans keep asking us this question if there's something that makes your club better but guess what we may be going into the tax that you have the money to do what you need to do because this team is legit i i have the same answer i've had for years and every time i've said it it's been accurate that it's been my experience that anytime we've been uh, we've had championship, realistic championship aspirations, as we feel we do this year. And there's been the opportunity to get better at the deadline. The resources have been there to do it. Now, we don't, you don't know until you really have a specific trade lined up and you understand the cost, both from a talent standpoint and from an economic standpoint. But it's been, you know, Jerry's nature since uh, as long as I've been here, and, and certainly even before that. When there's a chance to win, he aggressively wants us to pursue it and that's that's the way we're going to continue to operate over the next few months leading up to the deadline rick Hahn with us on cap and j hood on espn 1000 and the espn chicago app rick what surprised you most about lucas giolito's outings the last five starts oh he's i mean look he's made no secret about him underachieving uh I know he's frustrated. I know he and Ethan have been working hard at breaking down film and working on the side and dealing with any mechanical concerns they have uh, to get the ship righted. The, the good news is, is we, I'm not sure we could have a better person uh, than Ethan Katz on the case. There's no one who knows Lucas's uh, 
pitching mechanics and, and history better than, than Ethan, other than perhaps Lucas and his dad. So they're going to get this ship righted. I'm not overly concerned about that. You know, it, I know it's frustrating for Lucas, and it's, it's been a tough, what, five-game stretch for him. Uh, but, the, look, we've seen how good he's capable of being, and, and it's certainly, uh, if there's uh, a mystery to, to solve here. They're the they're the right guys to crack it. I'm sure they will soon. Do you look back at the off season? A lot of our listeners have said, please ask Rick about adding left handed run producing bats. Do you look back and go, I wish I had done that? I mean, if you're asking, do we wish we had gotten players that would make us better? Absolutely. I mean, that's sort of, you know, table stakes for anyone who does this job. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do know that you know, there was obviously a lot of buzz about how we needed to add a player who wound up not playing this season. So I think there's uh, perhaps from the outside, it might seem a little more, uh, I don't know, attainable than it is in reality. Right. Uh, but the way we approached it was we want to find ways to uh, improve ourselves, improve our balance, improve the offensive production, uh, certainly against right-handed pitching. And in the end, the player we acquired, uh, they're the most notable player we acquired in that regard, was A.J. Pollock, who, although he doesn't hit left-handed, he does damage against right-handed pitching. He had, a, you know, I think it was roughly a 900 OPS last year against right-handed pitching and is over 800 for his career. So I think it's important when you look to solve the problem, you don't quite get so uh, pigeonholed into simplistic solutions like they need to do better against righties, so therefore they need a lefty because, you know, Pollock is one way to uh, improve in that area, and we, we feel like we did, and we've seen what he's capable of doing when he's right. Hear a lot of fire Tony chants out there at uh, Guaranteed Rate. Heard it yesterday at the game uh, against Baltimore. What's your What's your reaction to the fans and how they're feeling right now with the state of the ball club? You know, I, I share Tony's sentiment, which I thought he put perfectly when he said, uh, essentially, that we much prefer them to be there and to care the way they do, and even if they're expressing it in a way that perhaps is negative towards him it shows that they're they're passionate they're invested and they care that's so much better than being indifferent or being absent or feeling like uh they're unable to express themselves so obviously we all want to uh, be winning on a more consistent basis and fulfilling the promise that we see in this roster uh, which hopefully uh after a solid road trip last uh last week and and uh the return to tim anderson and our guys starting to get a little healthier uh, over the next stretch, we're able to do so that, you know, those boos and criticisms turn into cheers. But fundamentally, you know, it's frankly, I view it as a, a passionate fan base expressing themselves. And that's precisely what all of us want. So you once said to me, and I can tell you where I was standing, you were in one box. I was in another at a Blackhawks game. And I asked you about it. And Tony wasn't even your manager then. If a manager makes a controversial move that you disagree with, it's not like you're going to pick up your iPhone and call down there and go, no, I don't want you to do He's managing the game. So when Tony walks someone on one and two or Tony does whatever it is, you had said to me, as long as after the game or the next morning, the manager, whoever it is, can look me in the eye and go, here was my rationale, I'm cool with it. Do you still feel that way or do you discuss these decisions? 
Well, first of all, I've matured a little bit so, since that conversation. <laughs> so it's, it's always the next day. It's right. in, unless it happens to be on getaway day and we're sitting next to each other on the plane or the bus, it, that, that conversation always takes place the next day. Uh, and look, it's, it's not just me. Jerry will have that conversation with the manager. Kenny will have that conversation with the manager. Uh, other people in the front office will have that conversation with the manager. But it absolutely uh, gets dissected. And to Tony's credit, uh, not only does he always have a reason, but he's also quite candidly open for debate and discussion and even criticism on certain uh, in-game decisions. And that's what you want in the end. You want to have an open dialogue. You want to have someone who can see both sides of the coin. At the end of the day, it is the manager's responsibility to to look in the player's eyes, to put them in the best position to succeed. Uh and use the lineup in a way that maximizes our, our probability of winning any given ball game. Uh, you know, there are certainly many instances throughout a season where guys' availability may be compromised for whatever reason. Uh, so sometimes from afar, it seems like, why isn't he doing this when there is a very good reason why he's not? But in the end, having a robust conversation, again, since I've matured the next day, uh, is very much part of what we do around here, and, and I think it help, helps make all of us better. How similar are you to Jerry West in winning time during this season? <laughs> <laughs> Depends who you ask. First of all, if you ask Jerry West, it's a fictional depiction. So right. We have to say it's a fictional Jerry I see. West. I see. Uh, how, about, I how about the actual I'm, Rick think, Hahn? How about the uh, I think non, I'm, yeah. yeah, I think I'm delightful. I think I'm, I'm, just, <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, sure. I think I'm a treat to be with, uh-huh. uh, especially in game. There are others, uh, wife and family kids. members, yeah. uh, who who view it differently, who think that you know perhaps I'm I'm swearing a little too much and throwing things a little too much. Uh, I did uh, find myself recently during a home game, uh, wandering in the tunnel during the game and hearing the game <laughs> on the radio, and I you know, <laughs> dropped a, dropped an f bomb, and I realized that is probably exactly what happened in winning time in one scene so maybe uh-huh. the criticisms of me might be uh, might be a little more accurate rick didn't want to leave the limo also back of the limo just sitting there. <laughs> right right yeah, right so, yeah, yeah fewer limos i suppose but, yeah you know it's not the 70s anymore <laughs> yeah or you're billy bean i'm off to visalia i'm not going to watch this right right hey man we appreciate you taking time for us i know at some point these injuries are going to stop you're going to have your lineup back together and then we'll see let it roll I look forward to it, and thanks for having me, guys. That's White Sox general manager Rick Hahn on with Cap and Jay Hood, our morning show on the ESPN 1000 flagship station. I, For those of you who haven't seen it, and I, I'll, I'll be honest, I watched the first handful of episodes of Winning Time and then just kind of lost track because baseball's baseball and we play every day. Uh, but it was, it was a fun start to the series, the first couple episodes. Uh, Jerry West, obviously the, uh, the coach and general manager, I think, of the team at the time, the 70s Lakers squad with Jerry, Dr. Jerry Buss starting out. It's um, it's quite a show. <laughs> and and Jerry West has got quite a, a personality in that show, but as Rick said, a, a fictional depiction. That was kind of a funny end to that conversation as well. Uh, we'll talk about some of the White Sox that are really stepping up over the last little bit, some of the White Sox that need to step it up over the next couple here when we come back on White Sox Weekly. Also, White Sox beat reporter Scott Merkin, who covers the team for MLB.com, 
is going to be our guest in 10 minutes. He's coming up at noon. You've got a chance to join us at well, 312-332-3776. That's the phone number. It's White Sox Weekly on the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. It feels like summer. Time to plan your summer road trip. Hitting the road with confidence starts at Oaklawn Toyota. Take advantage of 2.9% APR financing on a certified pre-owned Toyota. Or if it's time for that new ride you've been dreaming of, Oaklawn Toyota has vehicles in stock and more arriving daily. Bring in your current vehicle for a quick appraisal and get a value you never thought possible. Get to Oaklawn Toyota on 95th Street or visit oaklawntoyota.com today. With approved credit through Toyota Financial Services, on select models, offers expire 7522. See dealer for details. C4ABC.com for details. Is your AC trying to tell you something? Don't wait for it to break. Replace yours with ABC's cooling experts. Right now, pay no money down and get 0% interest for six years. Pay nothing up front and have a new AC installed as soon as tomorrow. And you can count on ABC to take care of every detail for you or get an AC tune-up for just $89. Just call ABC and consider it done. Northern Tool and Equipment isn't just a store. It's a problem solver's paradise. Fully stocked with the right professional grade tools and fully staffed with experts who have the right answers. Problem solved. Power buys are back. For a limited time, save $50 on a clutch welding table with toolkit or 50% on an Iron Ton 7 inch car polishing kit. Now only $59.99. Shop in store or online at northerntool.com. Here's the pitch, and there goes a long, long drive. And speaking of long drives, or any drives for that matter, make sure you go to Windy City Limousine for all your transportation needs. Long drives, short drives, chauffeured black car services, luxury coach rentals, corporate bus services, airport shuttles, group and event transportation, and more. Go to WindyCityLimos.com today, Chicago's premier transportation company, for all your transportation needs and tell them the M&M guy sent you. Click it or ticket. Not wearing your seatbelt can result in a costly ticket or worse. Nearly 50% of people who die in a crash in Illinois are not wearing a seatbelt. Seatbelt usage reduces the risk of serious injury or death in a crash by at least half. Buckle up, Illinois. When it comes to seatbelt safety, there are no extra lives. It's not a game. Visit itsnotagameillinois.com to learn more. At Wintrust, we're excited to welcome back baseball. In a year of uncertainty, we're grateful to have our teams back on the field and proud to support the fans who cheer on our city. With White Sox checking, you'll get free ATMs nationwide and score the exclusive Sox debit card. You can root for your team whether you're on the go or staying close to home. Get a special offer when you open now at wintrust.com slash socks. $100 required to open member FDIC. Chicago White Sox copyrights proprietary to the Chicago White Sox. Used with permission. Your first house. It looks a little different for everyone. For some, it's a place to gather. For others, a place to rest. And for others, it's a place that was a place to rest or gather until they built a stadium two blocks away and now all you hear is a roaring crowd or someone asking if you're ready to rock. No, you are not ready to rock. But no matter where you call home, GEICO makes it easy to bundle and save on home and car insurance. Easier than trying to drown out 40,000 people by speaking really loudly. With America's best warranty and complimentary maintenance, plus available premium features like wireless device charging, the Hyundai Tucson, Santa Fe, and Kona SUVs make every street 
Easy Street. Get 2.79% APR for 60 months or 500 bonus cash on the Tucson with new inventory arriving daily. See your local Chicago and Northwest Indiana Hyundai dealer today. Offers end July 5th. Call 224-661-0068 for details. It's White Sox Weekly here on ESPN 1000. I'm Connor McKnight. You got the Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network, and you, White Sox fans, should head to the ballpark on Saturday, July 9th, as the Chicago White Sox take on the Detroit Tigers. It's a 1.10 p.m. start. First 20,000 fans will receive a one-of-a-kind Luis Robert La Pantera chain. I have not seen this one yet. I've been told that it's pretty awesome. You're going to want it. Whether you're a kid or whether you're an adult or anybody, uh, but the first 20,000 fans will receive a one of a kind Luis Robert La Pantera chain. To purchase tickets, visit whitesocks.com slash promos. You know the phone number, it's 312 332 3776. We'll take a, a phone call from Gideon in just a second here. We're going to pause it real quick, I promise, 10 seconds for station ID. Out to the phone lines we go. Just got done hearing an interview from uh, Rick Hahn with Cap and Jay Hood, our morning show here on the ESPN 1000 flagship. Thought it was a good talk between the three of them. And Gideon in Skokie, friend of the show, called up. Gideon, what's on your mind, my man? Hey, Connor, I do know that phone number, so I called it um, because I really like Rick Hahn, actually. And I know, like, we, we have a potential championship team here that I think he's assembled. Um, like, I, I think it's a championship team. He assembled it. And I think Rick Hahn is a great general manager. And on top of that, he's easy to talk to. Um, he's, he's very funny. I'd love to, to have a conversation with him and to sit down. And, like, I feel like I could ask him just about anything and he'll – give somewhat of an answer to it he like obviously he can't say he would have loved to sign i don't know correa like he can't just say he should like we should have signed correa we should have signed um jock peterson like he can't say that so he can't answer cap's question there but he he's able to to kind of like dance around answers and He's he's very a very clear communicator. I'm very impressed by Rick Hahn. Um, they had Jed Hoyer, the the president of the Cubs, on earlier in the week. I'm very impressed with both top baseball minds in our city. Um, they're they're really good at communicating, and I I really think that's an important thing in the top baseball mind. Gideon, appreciate the phone coming, man. I, I would agree with you. I, I think over the last 20 years or so, probably since, you know, I, I guess I'd probably just be biased marking a, a time stamp on it with my own baseball fandom, but I, I kind of feel that since you know Moneyball came out, the book I'm talking about, we, as a, as a baseball fandom, kind of increased the the view right on on the front office in baseball i it existed before no doubt about it you know whether you want to go all the way back in this town you know to roland hemond and what he was able to do with those uh you know late 70s early 80s white Sox, all that kind of stuff i the, the general manager in this game has always been important obviously but i, I think early on 
50s, 60s, into the 70s, so much of the player acquisition felt like it was uh, beholden to ownership uh, as much as it was the general manager. Yeah, there have been you know exceptions to that, Branch Rickey obviously being one of them, and that even predates the 1950s. Uh, but I think since that book, since Michael Lewis and Moneyball and national television and obviously the, the consumption of baseball and how much that has changed, the the general manager as maybe not just a guy who played baseball or maybe not even a guy who played baseball at high levels as in, you know, Rick Hahn and Jed Hoyer not being guys who did that, uh, but who have a much more analytical background, MBAs and law degrees and all this other kind of stuff. That is the norm in this game right now. And it's being infused and supplemented with players and player development guys who did play. Um, and I shouldn't say just supplement, but always also uh, added on to, I guess that just means supplemented, doesn't it? I, I think... I think we are asking more, long story short, from our general managers in terms of a communication style and willingness. I think that's a good thing for the sport, all in all. I, I do. I think that's a good thing for the sport. 312-332-3776. That's the phone number. Scott Merkin is our next guest. And he's going to join us in just a bit. We're going to talk a lot about Tony LaRusse's pregame press conference today. I'm just seeing the quotes from it. it. It just happened. We got a little bit more rain at the ballpark here. So really, uh, I'm able to, you know, from our seat up here in the booth doing White Sox Weekly, I could see the reporters down in the dugout talking to Tony as we get set for pregame. But today, with a little bit of rain here at the ballpark, that got bumped inside, it looks like. Here's the last tweet from Scott Merkin, who covers the White Sox for MLB.com. This is from Tony LaRusso. Quote, we literally have five of the nine guys that are playing under trainer instructions that if they make a routine out, they slow it down. That's been part and parcel of the White Sox 2022 so far this year. We're going to talk with Scott Merkin about exactly who we're talking about and exactly what that means for the White Sox, both for today's game and in the weeks to come. 312-332-3776, that's the number. It's White Sox Weekly on the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly here on the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. I'm Connor McKnight. White Sox and Orioles today, game three of four. Scott Merkin, who covers the White Sox for MLB.com, is our guest. Merck's an old friend of the show. I mean, he's a young spring chicken. It's just a yeah. friendship is, yeah. is old. Is the friendship is, is old. That it I, is. I, I may be getting in that direction too. No, but, but hey, no, you know. no one would say that about you ever. Not on these, not on these airwaves. I wouldn't allow it. Um, Want to talk with you about a, a couple of things, obviously surrounding the ball club. But uh, I was just looking through your Twitter account, mm-hmm. you know, doing my research as it were for the show today. Uh, and I, I want to read White Sox fans. You, you skipped over all the Michigan tweets uh, to get to the White not Sox. Not every one. single one of them, but most <laughs> of them. Yeah. Uh, see, I told you. Um, I saw this earlier. Uh, This is from Tony La Russa. Scott tweeted this out 13 minutes ago. Um, We literally have five of the nine guys that are playing under trainer instructions that if they make a routine out, they slow it down. Can you offer a little uh, context? I mean, it's it's fairly evident what we're talking about here, but can you offer a little context in the conversation there with Tony, who we might be talking about, and exactly how that came up in discussion this morning? Yeah, he followed it up, and he added, I think I tweeted the next one, he added, let me get, get this right, DH, which would be Vaughn, which we've seen. You know, I, I think we saw 
Andrew hit a good, the one that stood out to me the other day was Andrew hit a ground ball that he almost always beats, and it ended up being like he was out on a double play yeah. by like two steps. So you knew that wasn't. We've already talked about Jose. Well, not today, but people have talked this week about Jose with his hip issue. We know about Luis Robert with the soreness, you know, and, and the, the leg soreness, uh, AJ Pollock. And then who is it? Um, uh, you've got the last one as a TA. TA, of course. Yeah. How can I forget TA? And actually, Tony did say today that TA did feel some soreness yesterday. Sure. So it's you know with the weather as it is right now, it, it's it's probably uh, a good idea to give him this day off. And Tony said if the soreness is still tomorrow, he may give him Sunday off too. So they got to be careful. You know, the last thing I, I get people are frustrated, and not just because of injuries, but for a thirty-three and thirty-six team right now, but. The last thing you want is to play any of these guys and push them too hard and lose them for you know a one or a month as opposed to one game. Yeah, I think when you look at where the division is at too, you know the, the Cleveland losing last night and the Twins losing last night. The Twins have scored one run in their last nineteen innings, and I, I just think when you. Yes, the White Sox should And yet they're be, one and one, right? No, no doubt about yeah. it. Uh, <laughs> they, they should be, the White Sox should be better than the Orioles, even if they are undermanned the way that they are. Yet, with this division not clearing a whole lot of space at the top, I, I just don't know that it makes any good sense to push super hard right now on guys that are feeling it. I mean, it's still a marathon, right? There's still more than 90. There's still, what, they're 33 and 36, so that's yep. nine, 93 left, right? So that's... Uh, a long way. Now, again, you can only go. I've talked, you know, with my friends about this, where you know you can only go so long where there's still a long time left, right? You yes. can't. You can't say, well, there's 93. Well, there's 73. Well, there's 33. Eventually, you know, you're eliminated. So, but that's the interesting thing is, you know, you get the last two games. Baltimore has outplayed them. They, they've beaten them pretty soundly. Toronto beat them pretty well on Thursday too, although it was a nice comeback. You know, where they had the tying run on at the plate in I think the eighth inning. But yet they're they're four and a half back, and now I guess the flip, you know, the good side is that's probably what ten days worth of good baseball where you could possibly you have to climb two teams, mm-hmm. but at least get back very close, if not on top. But on the flip side, as other people have mentioned to me, is you know what shows you right now that that's going to happen, and I think that's more so just because yeah they haven't played perfect baseball by any means, but they have a ton of injuries. I mean, just the five guys we talked about who are under trainer instructions, they're actually playing. There's other guys who aren't playing right now. They're, they're playing, and in two cases, for sure, three cases if you count Jake Burgers, I mean, they're performing. They're producing. Right. Jose Abreu is, is producing right now, even with that hip injury. Right. So, I mean, it's it's tough. It's tough because I think people would say, well, okay, they're not 100% sitting, but you only have so much on the bench, right? And, I mean, Josh Harrison's one he didn't even mention, and Josh is – you know, Josh joked yesterday that he's got a biceps on top of his triceps right now after getting hit by a pitch. So they're working to get the swelling out of that. And, you know, he said to get his range of motion back. And I think he'd like to, you know, at the latest be back in that Anaheim series next week in Anaheim. But it's not like you have a 50-man roster where you can sit these guys and say, okay, we'll give them all three days off and they can play. You only have so many options. And, you know, guys like, you know, some of these guys, most of these guys, not some, I think almost all these guys want to play through this and want to keep going. So you got to deal with it. And you got to kind of ease back. Now again, that looks rough when, let's say, it's a routine grounded to short and player A. I'm going to name a guy because there's no point. In, I mean, I'm, I'm not giving a specific example. Player A goes slowly, as they said, and then the shortstop 
throws a ball that the first baseman has to leap and catch. Right. And maybe if they were going a little faster, they beat it. But that's that's a chance you got to take to keep these guys healthy. Scott Merkin, MLB.com, joining us. And you bring up an interesting point here. Uh, uh, there was a caller that called earlier about it. Uh, wanting to see more heart from this team. I'll bring it back to that in a second. We do have a little bit of news here at the ballpark. It's not great. Uh, the start of today's game will be delayed. No expected first pitch yet. For the White Sox and Orioles, but uh, the White Sox just announced that here at the ballpark. We do expect to play. This uh, system is uh, not especially tough one, it looks like. I mean, I, as far as looking at weather radars go, I just see green, red, and, and orange or what have you, and it looks like it should blow through pretty quickly. That's the hope. Uh, White Sox and Orioles scheduled first pitch at 110 today is going to be moved back just a little bit. Uh, you stay I, I here on the Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network, and we'll let you know as soon as we know what that first pitch is going to be. I didn't interrupt you. I don't know about your phone, but I'll get like random messages saying a storm starts at like 3.30, and I'll look outside, and it's like bright sunshine. Yeah, I've turned So up. some of those things are not I, th- I think they mess with me. So I think they're like, all right, let's see what Merkin thinks about this. I, Horrible thunderstorm coming in five minutes, and it's 85 degrees and bright sunshine. Well, you know, you've spent your entire life here in Chicago. Lake Michigan does a lot of things and kicking those storm systems around, and I just, yeah. I've turned the alerts off because I don't know what Lake Michigan right. is going to do. And it does look like system. it's going to rain a little tonight, too, so yeah. hopefully we have that window where we can get the – although people are here getting their uh, – Great Luis, Robert, Eloy Jimenez, Bob. Great idea, by oh, the way, for fantastic. that Bob. It's yeah, a great Bob. And the, 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 the hint on that, or the little uh, the little reference not, is that Luis Robert's glove is a gold glove ah, in that bobblehead. I didn't so even notice that. Kind of that cool, you know, it's obviously he's a gold glove winner. So I'll, I'll add cool. a quick story that I'm going to paraphrase this in spring training. I, I interviewed Eloy one-on-one, and I was talking to him about that, and I said, do you remember those moments? And he kind of made the Aloy face, and he goes, yeah, remember yeah, yeah. him? He goes, they're all over YouTube. All I have to do is look on YouTube, and I see him all the time, so I can't forget him. But I, I, I think, you know, Luis, I think, is just that good a center field. I, I was joking last night. If you put Cedric Mullins in left center, the Orioles center fielder, yeah. and Luis Robert in right center, you probably could go with an extra infielder. The way they cover ground out there, they're amazing. Mullins has been unbelievably impressive in this series Truly. so far. I remember I made the trip with Len uh, to call games in Baltimore last year. Uh, and actually, it was the, the series before the All-Star break, and Cedric Mullins had gotten notified uh, on our way out the park that he was going to the All-Star game. So Len and I walked past Cedric as he was packing up his bags and walking out to the bus and going to the All-Star game. It was a pretty cool moment. I remember thinking in that series, my God, this is a, is a really good ball yeah. player is what this guy that, is. That outfield defense on Thursday night, my goodness. Yeah. They, I mean, they're about as good as it gets. Yeah, they, they got to everything. You mentioned, you know, guys, uh, and we, this has kind of been the talk here this morning. Tony LaRusso mentioned five of the nine starters today for the White Sox are under trainer instructions to uh, take it easy. Well, I shouldn't say take it easy, but not go 100%. On routine plays. On, on routine, routine plays. plays. So I, I, th- I don't think that means like... If a ball is in the gap, you should pull up at first if you know you can get to second. But I think it might mean if you're turning second and there's still Bob on the ball, only go to third if you really feel like you can push it and not do any damage and get there type of thing. I, I think, too, there is, you know, we had a caller earlier in the show say, oh, I'd like this team to show more heart. Right. And I, I think it's a really difficult thing to show in baseball because if you're not hitting, everything looks bad. That's just first and foremost. But I think a way to show heart is by playing through injury. Right in in this game especially, how many times have we heard White Sox teammates in the past talk about and reference Jose Abreu playing through sure. literally everything, right. and how much respect that engenders from his teammates? That is playing with heart. Unfortunately, in this game, when you do play through injury, you're not able to show everything you can do on that field because things can get so much worse so quickly by doing that. Right. The example I give on Jose, and this is, I mean. All the guys play through something, right? I mean, I, I 
forgot who I was talking to, but one of the players was saying, like, it doesn't take long in the spring training before you start feeling less than 100% and it goes the rest of the year. But Jose, it's not funny. It wasn't funny for him then, but Hunter Dozier ran into him full force. Hunter Dozier could be a lineman. Oh, yeah. And Jose played the next the next day. I think he was, no, one day later. He, he, no, wanted he, to play, he, played, he played the, the next, next day, day. And then he scored the winning, scored run, the winning on run on Sunday. Yeah, so that's, yep. that's pretty amazing. But, you know, I, I think one of the things that bothers me is when I hear anyone described as quote-unquote soft, yeah. because let's just use the players as an example. People don't, I, maybe they do realize, but I can tell you how hard they work just to get on the field, just to get ready for the game. It's not like they're sitting there smoking cigars and watching soap operas. Maybe they watch a little soap opera before they get going or take a break. But There's a lot of time. Yeah, but I mean, they're working their tails off to get on the field, and then they go and run for three hours after that, or four hours, or two and a half, whatever you get. So, and don't ever call anyone soft because you don't know what's going on in their life. You know, this is part of their life. This is their career. They also have families. They have friends, everything else. So it's a roundabout way of saying, you know, the heart thing. And I think that comes from not hitting. I think it was Hawk Harrelson who, you know, has said many times on the air and probably many others have said this, that when you don't hit, you look lethargic because yeah. nothing's happening. There's nothing going on. There's nothing to really do to hustle, you know, to, to, to change the game through hustle and all that. But the word soft always bothers the heck out of me because it's just, it's just silly to me because you, unless you a hundred percent know what's going on in that person's life or that person's day or that person's month, don't don't use that word. Scott Merkin, MLB.com, with us here for another couple on White Sox Weekly. Lenin Sosa is the leadoff man for the White Sox. Yes. He's playing second base. It's his first start at the big leagues. He got a little action against the Orioles in night number one after Josh Harrison got hit by the pitch. What did Tony say about putting Sosa up at the top of the card today? What are the expectations for the young man over the next couple of days? You know, he said you know, if Tim Anderson was in there playing today, Lenin would have been hitting somewhere else, but he liked his approach in that last at-bat. And that was a very good. It was nine pitches, right? Yeah. And in the strikeout, I think it was four pitches. He didn't get cheated on those swings. That's oh, for he sure. Did he's, he's a great story, right? I'll give a, a shout-out to my friend James Fox over at uh, Future Sox. Does great who I, work. He does. And I've used the fact that Sosa is number 22 on our MLB pipeline ranking. But it, as he pointed out, in fairness, that was done before, you know, this, that was done well before the season began, and he's had an amazing season. He's been tremendous. Now, again, you know, he's, I, I don't know if he's the same cadence as Luis Robert coming up here, or Yoan Moncada coming up here, or Aloy Jimenez. When they came up, they were here, you know, barring an, an injury, which they've unfortunately gone through. Yeah. They were here. I don't know if that's the case for Sosa. I don't know if Sosa's on this whole next road trip, but we'll see, right? And I just think the story about the work he's put in and the development story, you know, he went to their academy by choice in the offseason to work on his swing and his approach with Charlie Romero. Chris Getz told this story. And it just seems to respond to any challenge. I, I don't know him all that well, mm-hmm. but from the stories I've been told about him, he sounds like a great talent. I, is he the second baseman of the future? Who knows? But I, I do think he'll get today, and then he'll probably get tomorrow too, and maybe even a game in Anaheim, and then you see where Moncada is and see what they want to do from there. But it, it's a great story of a guy who was a good player who's been, you know, who's ri- raised his game to now getting the chance to go from A Birmingham to the major leagues. Real quickly, uh, what did you think of Kopech's night last night? I mean, a quality start, but kind of a weird one as, as yeah. things got going. Yeah, I, you know, he said to us after the game he didn't have his best stuff, and he said not have your bad stuff. It, you've seen just... I don't want to say the maturation, but the growth of him just as a starter in such a short time where when he doesn't have his best stuff and he still gives up, what, three earned runs and one came from a balk, right? Yeah. So 
I mean, he's he's a you know great side, and I, I really like his fortitude and how he's kind of always always competing every moment. Not that anyone else doesn't do it too, but you just see that with him and just always looking to to make the changes to get better. You know, he even talked last night after the game about yeah, there's some things to work on, but he was glad he was able to to get through what he did. So I you know I mean we've seen his you saw him one hit the New York Yankees who are on record pace, right? So that pretty much speaks for itself right there. Merck, appreciate it as always. Sure, Connor. Uh, read Scott's work on MLB.com, on ChicagoWhiteSox.com. It's great stuff, and we'll talk again soon. All right, Connor. Good seeing you. Scott Merkin, he is our guest on White Sox Weekly. We got more here before we start the pregame show at 1230. We will start the pregame show on time. That's half past noon. The start of the White Sox and Orioles game today will be delayed. Uh, no expected first pitch yet, but as soon as we hear... You'll hear. It's the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly. We're closing things up here for the afternoon. Thanks so much for listening throughout the morning. And a big thanks to Scott Merkin, who was our guest just a few minutes ago. Talked about a lot of things uh, affecting the White Sox here the first well it'll be game number uh let me see 70 tonight right 33 plus 36 is uh, yeah 70 tonight so um whenever that happens I, I keep on saying tonight and that's just an old baseball habit i'm not giving anything away about the projected start time for this one we will start under delay today uh but there's no expected first pitch again i just i, I said tonight because it's the old you know you show up to the baseball park and it's it's your you work tonight um hopefully we'll get this in there is rain later in the forecast this evening uh but as always there is a window and hopefully that's at some point here this afternoon before more rains come in tonight I mean, it it is just barely sprinkling right now at the ballpark. And as an amateur meteorologist, and by that I mean somebody who's just downloaded an app and is looking at a green blob moving through the map, uh, it looks like there's a little bit behind it, and it should hopefully allow us to play pretty soon here, depending on how fast that moves and what the lake does. Uh, But we will let you know when we know about a projected start time for the White Sox and Orioles today. Uh, nobody's up in any bullpen or out on a field getting warmed up, so I think we could be a little bit, but hopefully not too long. Lance Lynn and Spencer Watkins are the scheduled starters for the White Sox and Orioles, and we kind of started our show today talking about the new addition to the White Sox, Lenin Sosa, who did make his Major League debut on Thursday night, Struck out and walked as he came in for Josh Harrison after Harrison was hit by a pitch. Uh, But Sosa makes his first start of his major league career today. He is batting leadoff and at second base. And if you just heard Scott Merkin, or if you missed it, uh, he was talking about how if, if Tim Anderson, Tony was talking about, if Tim Anderson was in the lineup today, he's feeling a little sore and obviously wasn't going to play, or I shouldn't say obviously, but it was stated by the team that Tim was not going to play in every game for the first little bit after coming back from the injured list in order to make sure that he'd be 100% for as many starts as possible. Lenin Sosa's at the top of the lineup today, and if Tim were in, uh, Lenin would be batting somewhere else. Sosa's a guy who has really put to heart the changes that the, uh, that, that the White Sox, he's learned at the White Sox Academy earlier this year. We've seen him have a much more patient approach, which is something that a lot of scouts thought he might need to have in order to get to some of the power he's got. He's got 14 home runs in 60-something games at Double A. He skipped Triple A 
to make the start today. So Lenin Sosa is at the top of that White Sox lineup. But, you know, kind of the, the big news of this morning uh, and now into this afternoon is something that Tony La Russa said in his pregame press conference with White Sox beat reporters, including Scott Merkin, who we just had on the show. Tony said just a little while ago, we literally have five of the nine guys that are playing under trainer instructions that if they make a routine out, they slow it down. Those five, Andrew Vaughn, Jose Abreu, Tim Anderson, who is not in the starting lineup today, but I think Tony was talking about you know everyday starters, A.J. Pollock, who is starting and in left today, and Luis Robert, who is starting and in center field today. Interestingly enough, you know those four of those five guys, with the exception of Tim Anderson, who's not playing again, Vaughn, Robert, Abreu, and Pollock are all batting one after the other. Vaughn's in the second spot today, DHing. Luis Robert is in center field, hitting three. Jose Abreu's batting four, and at first, AJ Pollock is batting five and in left. And you know when you when you hear those names, you you also know if you've watched and listened to White Sox baseball here for the last couple of weeks. Those have been the best players in the White Sox lineup. A.J. Pollock has been terrific over the last three weeks. Jose Abreu has been Jose Abreu since uh, right about the middle of May. Luis Robert has been, you know, pretty consistently hitting, not taking walks, not hitting for a bunch of power. But when you think about the, um, you know, the trainer instructions that are obviously out there for him, uh, you kind of you might start to understand why that's there. Uh, and then Andrew Vaughn feeling it a little bit and DHing just the other night he was playing first base not last night but the first night against the Orioles he was playing first while Gavin Sheets was in right and part of that was to alleviate any of the uh, the running the pressure that playing that particular position would have put on Andrew Vaughn so you know thanks for so much for listening to White Sox Weekly uh, we have uh, gone through a lot of things here with the White Sox and hopefully they are able to pick things right back up against the Orioles and get back to winning a couple of ball games here on Saturday and Sunday. Pre-game shows coming up. No expected first pitch yet. Should find out during the pre-game show, so stay tuned and we'll let you know. I'm Connor McKnight. This is White Sox Weekly on the ESPN 1000 Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network.